You're listening to Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Bob Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. Well, since March 2008, we have been working 12 to 16-hour days, seven days a week. And during that time, we recreated my mural, a little help from our friends. We recreated my new art car, or biodiesel art car, We the People. We began our two-hour special project with uh, the Discovery Channel. That production is called Secret America, and that'll be aired this fall. We hosted both Ziggy Marley and Carolyn Mountain Girl Garcia, and the uh, especially Mountain Girl Garcia, to the world premiere of the Dead Symphony as a symphonic tribute to the Grateful Dead featuring Lee Johnson's Symphony No. 6 just two nights ago at the Meyerhoff Symphony Hall and spent time with Ziggy Marley and his reggae group and Mountain Girl at the Little Help Mural as well as they're studying my biodiesel art car, We the People. We exhibited uh, my personal art and memorabilia collection at the Symphony Hall and uh, thank you WJZ-TV, Richard Chair, Ron Matz, WBAL-TV, Discovery Channel and Good Morning America for publicizing this work. And it's time for us, obviously, to take a long break from this intense work, but tonight it is time to return to the physical and mental world. And our first guest this evening is the best-selling author, Zechariah Sitchin, who is going to tell us his own story of uncovering the secrets of the Giza pyramids and Sphinx to document the existence of a secret chamber. Now, that almost cost him his life, accidentally or otherwise. Sitchin's recent explorations have taken him into the inner workings of the Vatican and a meeting with Monsignor Balducci. He also explores what he believes is a futuristic computer from millennia ago, plus evidence of a divine architect at Stonehenge, Malta, and in the Americas. He's also linking the Nazca lines with the departure from Earth of the Anunnaki, the theoretical ancient gods who created man. Zechariah Sechen was born in Russia and raised in Palestine, where he studied modern and ancient Hebrew and other Semitic and European languages. His unique interpretation of ancient Sumerian has resulted in a strong argument for the ancient contact of early man with ETs. Welcome back to 21st Century Radio, Zechariah Sitchin. Good evening, Bob. Well, we are talking to you tonight in Baltimore. What are you doing here in town, Zechariah? Enjoying the Inner Harbor. Oh, you're down at the Inner Harbor? Yes. Were you were you there yesterday? I was there yesterday. Well, and I was there, there the day before yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just passing through the Inner Harbor yesterday and the day before. Uh, well, you've done it again. Your book, Journeys to the Mythical Past, is another page-turner filled with exciting leads pointing to ancient contact. Thank you. With an advanced race. You spend a lot of time on the secret chamber you say is inside Egypt's Great Pyramid. How and when did you discover it? Well, it goes back uh, a number of years, and uh, it took uh, a number of years to uh, actually find out what's uh, behind the so-called niche there. Um, And I must uh, uh, give credit to one of those who went with me there, who uh, volunteered to crawl in, (laughs) not knowing if he'll be able to crawl back out. And... uh, 
and we have uh, photographs and drawings, and there is a, a, it's a secret chamber because it, it is being kept a secret. I really don't know why uh, it is kept a secret, maybe because uh, uh, it's, uh, the, the tunneling into it was not uh, authorized or not supposed to take place. So um, <laughs> if people go to um, Egypt and visit the Great Pyramid, uh, they should ask to uh, go and see the so-called Queen's Chamber, uh, which is usually locked uh, <laughs> to public access uh, for for obvious reasons by now, and ask to, um, to to see the secret chamber, which uh, is still a secret, except that uh, it is now described in my book. Well, there seems to be a double mystery here. Who dug the tunnel to the chamber, and why the chamber's existence? Why do you still, why do you believe it still is being kept secret? I, I of course, I don't know. If I knew, I, 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 I would say already in the book, but uh, uh, the, the digging into it has, has gone on for a number of years, and in uh, my book, uh, with, with, which you are discussing with me, Journeys to the Mythical Past, I show a series of photographs of how the niche through which the tunnel was dug, how it has changed over the years covered this way, covered that way, etc. Uh, so it is all uh, documented photographically by me, not by, uh, not only by say-so. Uh, and uh, obviously, I think, Bob, you'll agree with me, that obviously no one could have continued to dig inside uh, for several years while officially admittance to that Queen's Chamber was blocked unless it's somebody uh, with the authority to uh, uh, to say uh, about uh, Giza and in general uh, about uh, those antiquities in Egypt, uh, uh, do this, don't do that. So uh, I think the finger points uh, is somewhere uh, quite high and um, and then it wasn't authorized. And now the the second puzzle, of course, is once it was done, and uh, whoever it was broke into uh, that uh, uh, undiscovered chamber until until that uh, break in. Uh, what did they find there? Was the chamber totally bare and empty, uh, which is possible, or was there anything there? Because uh, over the the centuries, you know the the, the uh, Egyptian, uh, the, the Muslim caliph al-Mamun, uh, who, who broke into the, the pyramid through the entrance uh, through which people now visit it, um, uh, went in search uh, of, of treasure because there was always uh, the belief that uh, there is a secret chamber in the pyramid uh, filled uh, with, with all kinds of treasure. So um, was anything found? Now, maybe... The reason that it, it's not announced and uh, kept hush-hush is because what was found there. Uh, so uh, d d d this is a mystery within a mystery within a mystery. Well, I believe there's no way in the world uh, they would not have known someone 
or that this chamber existed if they have surveillance surveillance yep. uh, video cameras there. Yeah, Focus- that, that was my first tip of to, to, to go in one day mm-hmm. and, and, and see that there are two uh, surveillance video cameras, and then the question is, what for? Yeah, what for? And yeah. also that, that some, something else is... Uh, you, you describe as sand, uh, but it's blue-green granules. Uh, yeah, that was a, that's another mystery. I, uh, as I describe in the book, I took some uh, some of it as a sample. Uh, it was tested uh, for me uh, at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, no particular radiation level was discovered, but. Uh, uh, the, the 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 sand was an un, unusual kind of sand. I mean, it's not, you know, <laughs> sand sand. It was some very very fine sand, and there were those blue green granules in it. So um, I don't know. I really don't know. It's 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 still a mystery. And you know, I uh, all I can do, uh, which I did finally in this book, is is to report it and. Uh, and let, let others take it from there. Well, you did make a special trip in 1997, and something happened uh, when you were exploring uh, the inside of the Great Pyramid. Do you want to tell us about that? <clears throat> well, what happened is that uh, I, it, it was almost my, my final <laughs> visit and trip to, to Egypt or to anywhere because um, I, I have uh, been trying for years to to find a way to get permission or or, or some, somehow to be allowed to enter the so-called uh, uh, relieving chambers above the so-called king's chamber. I mean, keep saying so-called because it it is it, all these are misleading names when it, when people refer to the king's chamber that there was no king and no nobody was buried there. But these these are the names that. Uh, People used to identify it, so there are some several narrow, narrow spaces that are called relieving chambers above the so-called king's chamber, and it is there that uh, somebody called Howard Weiss uh, claimed to have discovered uh, uh, writing in in in, in red paint and that. Uh, Supposedly, also spells the name of uh, Hufo or Cheops. Uh, so, so that, that's why the pyramid is attributed to him. And uh, I had my doubts about it. I, I, I analyzed this uh, at great length in, in a previous book titled uh, "The Stairway to Heaven." Uh, but uh, and then I saw the a um, facsimile at the British Museum. Uh, which which uh, sort of confirmed my my doubts, uh, but but did, I I always wanted to to actually see and visit and see with my own eyes the the the, the things the, the the puzzles I write about, and uh, finally I got permission to do that, and uh, and, and, and it was a very <laughs> odd day with all kinds of uh, unexplained delays and. And all kinds of we uh, uh, we whispering among the, the the Egyptians in charge and and so on and so forth. Uh, but finally, I and uh, two um, uh, two uh, uh, others who travelled with me 
and were allowed to go in, and uh, a ladder was set up, and I was supposed to start climbing. And then uh, uh, somehow, from out of nowhere, a, a very uh, heavy uh, a log of wood was uh, fell or was or dropped or was dropped uh, on my head and uh, and knocked me down and, and and I was all bleeding and, uh, and this luckily is... I survived it because I was uh, rushed I was given all kinds of uh, anti tetanus and other injections which is not a pleasure in, in, in so-called Egyptian medical facilities, but, uh, but, but obviously I survived it. So, um, and, and to this day, I, I, uh, I, I don't think it was an accident. Well, uh, how many, I've never known of too many pieces of wood in, inside the Great Pyramid. Yeah, it's built entirely of stone. So, you know, therefore it had to be put there by somebody. And um, uh, some uh, takes movement to to uh, obviously knock down a piece of wood at that particular time. It, so it doesn't doesn't seem to be accidental to me. And and you know I'm not surprised, Zechariah. The reason why I'm saying that is because the importance of the possibility that this is a forgery is something you know when we've watched over the past old oh, fifteen to twenty years as to as some of the more some of the in, more interesting what I find uh, research and, and theories, uh, especially the age of the Sphinx and the kind of problems that right. th- those archaeologists and those people had, and then uh, then when you take a look at the work of um, uh, their first name Schwartz Stephen Schwartz when he was in Egypt uh, and they were laying out what they could uh, uh, determine by other paranormal means, other chambers beneath the uh, Sphinx. Sphinx and elsewhere, especially out in the desert, they would come back and find all of the lines that they had had uh, established and tied down, they were moved. Uh, so that, that, that when they returned the next day, uh, they weren't in the same place at all. And this kind of slowing down of your work and frustration is a pattern. And I don't believe any of this is accidental because there was much controversy uh, just over a decade ago and it has never resolved. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I think Egyptology is, uh, is pretty much concerned about the importance of some of their theories, and which is that, that Khufu or Cheops built the Great Pyramid. Now, uh, this tell us a little bit more about this forged cartouche when we come back here on 21st Century Radio. Okay. So and if it wasn't uh, some vain, glorious pharaoh, they always love to say that, that built the great that the, built the pyramids, then who really did? Our guest is Zechariah Sitchin, Journeys to the Mythical Past, published by Bear and Company. Sitchin, S-I-T-C-H-I-N dot com. You can call one 800 246 8648. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, journalist and author of Crossfire, Alien Agenda, Ruled by Secrecy, and you're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Bob Hieronymus. You know, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, so pay attention. Back to our guest, Zechariah Sitchin, Journeys to the Mythical Past, Bear and Company, Sitchin.com, 1-800-246-8648. Howard Vyes, you believe that the cartouche is forged in the, is it above the king's chamber? Yes. Please tell us about this theory. 
well, uh, it, 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 it's a rather uh, long and, and, and complicated uh, story, uh, which uh, uh, one one has to illustrate, which, which I do in my in my several books on the subject. But uh, basically, um, uh, the, the the name Hufu in hieroglyphics is, is uh, very simply written. Uh, there is a sign looks like a snake or a serp, serpent, uh, which is the the vowel u, and there is a a symbol which is read or pronounced as an f, and then there is a a symbol which is a circle with uh, crossed lines that supposedly represent a sieve uh, that is pronounced. So it's u f u hufu. Uh, which we we call Kiops in English, <clears throat> and um, uh, whoever uh, did it, and there is a, a very um, detailed story uh, based on 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 Vice's own diaries. Uh, uh, what happened this day? What happened that day? And uh, lo and behold, after nothing was found in any of those chambers, suddenly some some writing in in, in red red paint. <clears throat> Uh, was discovered, and among those various symbols, many of them uh, uh, meaningless, uh, there was this royal cartouche that uh, spelled Hufu, except that there was one one little problem, and that is that uh, the circle, the circle that should have crossed uh, lines to, to be pronounced uh, was really a circle with, with the daughters in it, in the center, which is really pronounced Ra, and stood for the name of the supreme uh, god of Egypt, Ra. Uh, so um, it is quite inconceivable that anyone would have uh, used the, the name or written the name of the supreme god in vain, uh, attributing the pyramid as if the god himself uh, uh, built it, uh, when supposedly uh, King Khufu built it. So the, the cartouche does not really spell Khufu, and I show it uh, with illustrations in the book. And now, um, who actually did it? So I go into great details, uh, especially in the previous book, Stairway to Heaven, and touch on the subject here enough to explain to uh, to the reader why did this whole business with, with the, who, who built this pyramid is part of the... Um, subject uh, of this particular book, Journeys, Journeys to the Mythical Past, because as you mentioned in your introduction, uh, Bob, uh, it deals also with the Vatican, and uh, and, and uh, in a way, by the way, as I was, uh, uh, you know, think, thinking about our interview and look, looking through the, through the book, uh, is uh, that in, in so many ways, uh, this book is is really ahead of the news because I have there a chapter about the antikythera mechanism. Well, and, you must you maybe, must be you must be psychic because obviously that's where exactly we were headed right after this. Two, 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 three days ago, it made made head, headlines. Now a month ago, um, a guy called Father Funes, uh, who is head of the Vatican Observatory now. 
Uh, he was appointed, was interviewed by the Vatican, so on the daily newspaper, Osservatore Romana, and he made statements there that again made headlines around the world, and that is that the Vatican uh, does not uh, deny the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Now, it so happens that I have a chapter on that in which I mention my correspondence with the same uh, Father Funes, but all he did was really repeat briefly uh, something that was uh, that came to light in my uh, 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 public. You know, there were hundreds of people present when I had a dialogue with uh, Monsignor Balducci, who is in charge of the, those things, or was in charge of those things in the Vatican, uh, who uh, is on the one hand a fan of mine, read my books, and um, on the other hand represents the, the Vatican's uh, position on the subject. And he uh, said, uh, as far as the Vatican is concerned, extraterrestrials exist. So, um, so that was also in the book, ahead uh, uh, of the headline news. So, um, well, obviously, uh, and and I'm sure, Bob, that you 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 mentioned some of the other. Uh, Chapter headlines, you know the the the, the Nazca lines. Uh, yeah, let's touch uh, let's so touch on that now. So I'm sure that uh, whoever will will read the book, if you already read the book, will will really find headline news about this or that or that or that coming in the next uh, uh, months, if if certainly years, but in, in the next months, because the the, the book by supposedly dealing with the past, is really dealing with with what we should expect and anticipate. So it's somewhat prophetic in that way. Well, it's prophetic because it's, it's uh, to a great extent, you know, it's its predecessors too, especially the, the one that just preceded the, the end of days, really are based on, on, on biblical prophecies. And uh, I, I happen, I, I think you too, we... Uh, I believe that uh, all those prophecies will come true. The question is when or in what form or what shape uh, uh, or with what intensity, but uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, what, what, what was told then uh, is what we will witness. Um, let's go back to this Antikythera uh, mechanism. Why do you believe it is um, an advanced astronomical computer, which is obviously millennium before its time? Well, it, 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 the, the news a few days ago dealt with uh, a new uh, study suggesting that, among other things, uh, because one of the puzzles, of course, what, uh, not, not only who had the technology to, to, to make it, and who had the, uh, the 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 need for it? But so so once somebody went to all the trouble of creating this amazing thing, which I'll, I'll touch touch upon in a, in a second, is what what was it for? So they uh, made the headlines because they said, among other things, it also uh, enabled. Uh, to to set the dates for the Olympic Games, so a week before the start of the Olympic Games, every uh, newspaper and uh, 
and then TV station picked up the, the story. Otherwise, maybe it would would have been just ignored. But uh, <clears throat> this is a, a mechanism contained in a very small box of about <clears throat> uh, one foot uh, by, uh, by, 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 by half a foot with a thickness of just over three inches. And we did that wooden box. There are dozens of gears, levers, uh, all kinds of, 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 of mechanical uh, ingenious devices that once you turn one of them, all the others also turn at uh, various speeds, etc., and they tell you, they predict lunar eclipses, they predict solar eclipses, they, 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 uh, they tell you the months, they tell you the years, they tell you the zodiacal constellation in which this or that planet would be, would be located in, 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 in 50 years from now, and so on and so forth. And all that is made, all those parts, which are really uh, dozens and that the gears alone, there are m more than 30 gears of various sizes, are made from one single, because metallurgically it was tested, from one single thin sheet of bronze. <clears throat> now, bronze is not a malleable alloy, but bronze is a, an alloy of copper and, and about 10% tin. It, it, it can be cast, and many of the ancient statues uh, are made of bronze. It can be uh, cast into tools by, by melting it and pouring it and letting it uh, uh, cool. But it, it is not malleable. There's no way that you can cut bronze, which was the ancient world steel, unless you have something stronger than that, which supposedly did not exist, with which to cut. And yet somebody from one single sheet cut all those various parts and levers and gears and, and axles and, <laughs> and all the other, almost more, more than a hundred different parts, assembled them, fitted them in this box that is only about just over three inches thick, and that, if you made one turn, could predict anything you wanted celestially and astronomically. Now, so the question is not only what was it for, but who had the knowledge needed, you know, of astronomy, of orbits, of... of planets, of solstices, of, of eclipses, and all that, uh, who had that knowledge, at least in the 3rd century B.C., because the ship that sank, in which it was found of uh, some Greek island called Antikythera, that's why it's called Antikythera Mechanism, uh, is dated to the 1st century B.C., so it's, it's about 20, 100 centuries old. By the way, Bob, you're 21st century. 
That's radio. correct. There, there's, there, so, there's some maybe, correspondence. Maybe you should adopt the Antikythera mechanism as your logo. Uh, well, certainly. I think so. I was probably the one who created it back there during that time period. <laughs> would, so, be, would be in uh, a previous incarnation. <laughs> yes. Who knows? Who knows, who knows is right. So, uh, so there's this mechanism. So the question is not only what was it for. The question is who needed such a mechanism because the the, the 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 slightest object similar to it with, with just three or four gears was made in Europe in the sec- 16th century AD, almost mm-hmm. 1700 years after the ship sank. Now, what is the date of the mechanism? I deal with this in, 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 in my book, and I, I say... I link it with, with the Anunnaki and the departure from Earth and so on. So the question is not only, which is the latest news, what was it for, among other things they say to, to, to date the Olympics, but who had the technology to put together such a thing which, which beats a, a Swiss watchmaking talents. And you, of course, and uh, I, I believe the same technology could have been used by other beings that weren't necessarily from this particular planet but have visited it from time to time. And we are coming upon a time period in which maybe they that may be returning. And when we do, Zechariah, uh, I believe um, it's, it's not inaccurate to say that, that um, the Vatican, having its own astronomical observatory and already believing that ETs do exist, that we have perhaps been visited. That's, uh, that's by the way, one of the questions. What, why does the Vatican need an observatory well, indeed, in, in why, Arizona? And, uh, and of course, uh, I'm going to ask you why you think they did uh, need one and why they believe that ETs are certainly not out of the question. We'll return with our guest, Zechariah Sitchin. Of course, we've got to really move also into um, other areas dealing, I believe, with uh, your last book, The End of Days, Armageddon, and Prophecies of the Return. We're not going to have enough time, but especially in regards to the new things that are coming about, cave dwellings on Mars, about water being discovered on the moon. Friends, things are happening really quickly, but a lot of this stuff was already known, in my opinion, decades ago. So we're just being... Uh, sometimes it seems like we have been prepared to accept this information over a long period of time, but it would have been nice to know the truth about 30 or so years ago. We'll be back with our guest, Zechariah Sitchin. Journeys to the mythical past, Baron Company, Zitchin.com, Sitchin.com, 1-800-246-8648. This is Henry Bauer. I'm Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Scientific Exploration, and you're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Bob Hieronymus, and this is a show that is most worth listening to. Our guest is Zechariah Sitchin, Journeys to the Mythical Past, Baron Company, Sitchin, Sitchin, S-I-T-C-H-I-N.com, 1-800-246-8648. Zechariah, do you believe the Vatican is watching the skies, possibly because of the prophecies of the return of ETs? Yes. Well, could you elaborate on that? 
<laughs> I, I think it's, it's the first time in a long time that I answer a, a, a question with one word. That's it's the only time I've ever asked a question. Because, uh, like that. Uh, I think it, it is so obvious by now with all the um, uh, their readiness not only to uh, to to believe or to expect uh, or to suspect whatever they are, but also to 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 start publicly stating it. And uh, you know, the Vatican is a very uh, a conservative, uh, uh, well, to, 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 to use a diplomatic term, uh, organization, and uh, nothing just happens uh, by, by itself, and everything is, is pre-planned, and, and, and everything is very long-term. Uh, so um, <clears throat> I, I did, by the way, try to, to get out of this Father Funus, uh, and I mentioned my correspondence with him, in the book, unfortunately, I couldn't meet him because he he just went to Argentina at the time. Uh, um, what 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 are they doing? So he so he sent me a report, a kind of report of 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 the the, the main thing that uh, uh, that doesn't mean uh, the all the things, but uh, but whatever they are ready to 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 disclose. And I mentioned some of that in the book, and even that alone indicates that it, it is not, you know, just uh, observing the skies to see if, if, if uh, you know, uh, uh, this or that planet really uh, uh, is, in, is still in the skies. Uh, uh, it has to do with very fundamental issues uh, for the Church. And that is uh, uh, a basic tenet, as I understand, of Christianity, and that is uh, the second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, whoever uh, uh, Jesus was and uh, uh, whatever happened to him uh, uh, at, at the right time, uh, he will return. Well, and, and and this is what they are dealing with. They are dealing with the expectations of the return. Now, uh, in regards to that, the end of days, Armageddon, and prophecies of the return. Yes. Tell us a little bit about this publication because we did not review this with you in our insane schedule that we've had in the last three or four years. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it was published relatively recently, but. Uh, 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 we, we, we we could still <laughs> discuss it in another interview, but basically what it does is uh, it, it 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 starts with a very interesting phenomenon, and that is that uh, if one looks at the 21st century BC, and I uh, apologize for maybe plagiarizing. The name of your program. Well, that's all right because uh, we own it. <laughs> okay. so the government can. If, if one looks at the 21st century BC and reads what happened there, the messianic expectations, uh, the use of nuclear weapons, and all kinds of such other uh, events, phenomena, expectations, etc. It is almost as if one is reading or, or, or following the events happening in the 21st century.
century AD. And this, as I show in the book, is no accident because the clock, the clock that the Anunnaki have devised to match the their year, which is one orbit of their planet Nibiru, with our clock, which is rather a quick one, uh, running around the, the sun in what we call one year, one orbit, one year, as, as a means of combining, if you want, the divine with the earthly is something that I called uh, celestial time, which is the zodiacal time. And the length, mathematically, not actually in the heavens, and that was one of the problems that caused the use of nuclear weapons in the 21st century BC. The mathematical length of a zodiacal period is, or age is 2,160 years. Mm -hmm. So this is the clock which I show in the book, The, the End of Days. Actually, I give a, a, a chronology of events according to that clock is that clock is ticking. And I believe, and I show again in the book uh, with, with all kinds of evidence, astronomical ancient texts, uh, um, uh, pictorial evidence, archaeological finds, etc., etc., that uh, the, the, the timetable of the biblical prophecies, the end of days, matches this century as we near the end of the constellation of Pisces, the Diacal constellation. Mm -hmm. So this is <laughs> the, the summary of, uh, of the book from the 21st century BC to the 21st century AD. And all the prophecies that I quote, not only biblical, uh, Babylonian, Akkadian, Egyptian, and others from, from, from antiquity, uh, all speak about a, a cyclical calendar that the beginning is the end. The first thing shall be the last thing. So it's a cycle, it's a cycle, it's a cycle. And we are nearing now this century, uh, the, the end of a cycle, which at the same time is the beginning of another one. That's correct. As a matter of fact, this is why you need to return to, for us to spend at least an hour on the end of days, Armageddon, the prophecies of return, friends, because as my listeners, I hope, know by now, the mural that I created in 1968 at Johns Hopkins University was called The Apocalypse, and it dealt with the returns. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was um, about the cyclical view of history. And certainly it was kind of radical for Johns Hopkins University to, uh, to f allow me to do that, that type of thing. But once upon a time, that was, uh, they were much more open to the humanities uh, than, than they are today. And uh, most importantly, um, that, that uh, particular mural was covered by PBS, uh, and, and who did a... Uh, a documentary on my life at that time period on that particular mural. So the what Zechariah Sitchin is discussing, you'll see some of those images within the apocalypse. The UFOs, 
and the uh, the changes of the coming to, to the age of Aquarius. Of course, there are different dates for the possible age of Aquarius, but it generally speaks about the same thing. Now, now Zechariah, I don't even know if you and I have ever discussed my work from 1968. Have we? No, I don't think so. Well, I, I don't think... <laughs> I'm not a youngster. I don't think I knew you back then. No, I <laughs> no, it, well, maybe not in this lifetime. Uh, before, we're almost out of time. But what do you make of the recent news of uh, the cave dwellings on Mars? Well, I, I, I discuss it on my website. That is uh, Sitchin.com. Yeah, I also discuss the, 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 the latest news uh, uh, from, from the moon, by the way that uh, they discovered that when the moon uh, was created, uh, it had water, which, which destroys completely all the accepted theory that, that, that uh, the moon is a chunk of Earth and then there was some, something big. I mean, I must really laugh when I read that it was a, a meteor or a meteorite uh, as, as big as Mars now. Uh, that is some size meteor. Yeah, no, so, yeah. so, so, so somebody is talking with 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 uh, tongue in cheek, you know. Or maybe they're talking with forked tongue, as my yeah. as my Native American so, friends so, would say. So, um, if the moon had water, which is in accord with the Sumerian cosmogony, uh, when it was uh, created, when it came in, in into shape, then of course uh, it could not result from from something hitting the earth and creating temperatures of 30, 40,000 degrees where everything evaporates. So. so I think what this kind of indicates uh, in our studies in Egyptology and ancient civilizations and the scientific artifacts of today, and especially in regards to the moon, uh, I believe we're not being given the total story by those who are in charge and giving us that information. And that's why we have Zechariah Sitchin on today, and we'll have him back on to discuss his previous book on this. Zechariah Sitchin, Journeys to the Mythical Past, Baron Company, Sitchin, S-I-T-C-H-I-N dot com, 1-800-246-8648. And uh, thank you for joining us, Zechariah. Thank you, Bob. And uh, you can visit his website, order his new book, Journeys to the Mythical Past. Next hour, we'll talk with astrologer Chrissy Blaze about how to use Mercury retrograde to your advantage. It's not all bad, so stay tuned. 21st Century Radio is produced by Hieronymus and Company. Our executive producer and research assistant is Laura Cordner. Our engineer is Anita Brockington. And I'm Dr. Bob Hieronymus.